You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Mike Lewis. Good job, church. You know, Jesus came and he said, you know, I, I came when the reason I came is to serve. And then he said, whoever you do this kind of service to, you've done it unto me. So thank you for being the hands and the feet of Jesus to this community. All right, give yourself a hand. Now, the purpose of this service is we are going to uh, lay hands on and pray for Megan Luke and David Macy as they are now put in the position as lead pastors. And we have Charles Simpson here to help that whole process happen. Now, I've read you Charles's bio many, many times, and it is impressive. You know, a good page and a half, you can read it. It is impressive. Uh, but this morning, I want to introduce Charles as a friend of this place, this house, who goes all the way back to Dean and I being in college. It goes all the way back to some of the folks that made the biggest impacts on our life that Charles was involved in that group of people. And actually, one of the guys that made the biggest impact on me, Charles, was his pastor. So I'm saying that to say there's a lot of history. There's a lot of the same streams that that molded and shaped Dean and I that ultimately ended up being a part of this church that is tied together in Charles Simpson. And the Bible talks about... um, the fact of the whole process of setting people in or laying hands on people, that it matters who does that. Uh, I, remember, I remember, I think it was Spurgeon who said, uh, you need to be careful who lay hands on you because they, things do happen like impartation. And because of that, that concept and those principles, I could not be any more excited to have Charles Simpson here with us to participate in this whole process. So would you join me and give Charles Simpson a very warm cathedral welcome. Wonderful introduction. I was hoping you wouldn't quit. It's fantastic. I appreciate it. It's a real honor to be here. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for all you do and have done, will do, so much we don't even know. We're humbled by your goodness. I pray your presence to be with us this morning in a powerful way. We thank you that you're here. Thank you for the worship. So appropriate. We ask you, Lord, to indeed impart this morning. Help us, Lord, to receive more than we realize. Life-changing. Thank you for those that got us here. Unknown, unnamed, generation after generation of faithful hands. Help us to be like that. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's humbling to be here. I I really love your pastor and his family and the team you have here. Being invited is always nice. Being invited back is really a blessing. And I'm so happy. Uh, I I talk about being humbled. I don't want to be like the preacher that preached on humility and how I achieved it. Um, (laughs) But I, I I am humbled. And I thank God if you hang out with people and listen to them, they'll help you with that humility business. I had a lady wrote me a very nice letter. Brother Charles, you have sown much seed and spread much fertilizer. And uh, I didn't keep the letter, but um, 
One said, we, we really love you. We named our dog Charlie. <laughs> I didn't keep that letter either, but uh, I'm thankful to be counted among the Lord's people. All of us, I'm sure, have a testimony of the grace of God. I want to read from first, Second Timothy, the first chapter, and I want to talk to you this morning about transition. It is quite a topic, and all I'm going to do is skim it a little bit, and hopefully you'll get more than I say. Um, because we are in a huge transition. Now, if you've been around a few years like I have, you know that things have changed. I would say we're in the midst of a millennial change, a thousand-year change, and it takes a hundred years to make a millennial change, and change is speeding up. And so we're in a transition in our nation, in the world, the culture, churches, and certainly here, a number of pastors that I know are transitioning, and you're very blessed because your transition is a very wholesome and spiritual and prepared transition. I want to um, read from 2 Timothy, the first chapter, from, oh, I'll start with verse 13 and 14, and then I'll read over in the second chapter in the New King James. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me. Hold fast to what you've heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There are four generations, Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others also. The gospel is meant to go from generation to generation. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another. Psalm 78 speaks of fathers and parents teaching children and their children's children's children carrying on what they're taught. We are in a huge change a change which is radically speeding up. My earliest memories, uh, I won't labor this, I shared a little bit last time I was here, are living in the swamp. Very primitive, a style of life that didn't change for hundreds of years. All of a sudden, in my lifetime, the change is so radical it's incomprehensible and new things are birthing. By the time you learn something, it's almost out of date. And for an old mind, that's a real challenge. But I'm grateful to God for change and grateful to God that uh, he's in charge. Now, Timothy is Paul's disciple. He mentored him and he is preparing him, I would encourage you, and especially the candidates that we will set aside today, to read First and Second Timothy. It's a handbook for the ministry. comes by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, who is one of the greatest individuals and figures 
in all of history. And so we're just touching into it. I had a friend who's now with the Lord, and he used to talk about passing the baton in a relay race. Now, I know your pastor has uh, raced and run, and uh, I... I, I, I <laughs> By the time I got there, it was always too late. I, I'm, I'm not fast. My coach said, Simpson, you're little, but you're slow. And so, uh, but I admire people that are fast um, and are able to run fast. And my friend would talk about relay racing and the time when you are running and then you run alongside the next guy and then you pass the baton and then he runs. And that's kind of like history. And the most, I don't want to say dangerous times, but one of the most times you have to be careful is when you're running together and passing the baton. If you drop the baton, you're sure to lose the race. A lot of batons have been dropped historically where one generation didn't connect with the next generation, and so they couldn't pass on. You're blessed because you have multi-generations here. You're a multi-generational church. The blessing you have, and I, I hope that you understand, I'm not simply trying to say nice things. You are indeed blessed not only in terms of the kind of church you have or the foresight that's been involved in it or the life that's been given to it, but the transition that you're going through is one that was led by the Holy Spirit and thought out, and that's not the case. Now, I don't want to tell you how long I pastored, but I pastored enough to appreciate how difficult that is. Um, I've made some transitions with others that weren't that good. Hopefully, I've made some that were. But it is a tricky time if you're not prepared for it. And let me just say this. When you're young, you're thinking about success. When you get older, you're thinking about successors. And if you have success and successors that are qualified you have been blessed of God because some people never achieve the success of the vision God has for them, and some do, but they are not able to pass it on. And being able to do both is a tremendous thing. To be able to, I don't want to say retire, but release the baton and see the person you handed it to is running the race toward victory is a great sense of having lived successfully, a great sense of living satisfactorily. I, I think one of the most difficult things is to give your life to something that means everything to you, invest yourself in it, watch it succeed, and then hand it to someone who drops the ball. And when that doesn't happen, but things really take off, then you are happy because what you invested in is continuing and succeeding. You have that blessing here. So let, let's thank the pastor and his wife for doing a great job. Would you do that? I, that's not luck. That's the grace of God. Thank you, Stan. That's great. That's great. Amen. Praise God. They love you, Pastor Dean. They love you. You know, I grew up Southern Baptist, and I'm grateful. One thing I loved about the Baptists and still do, is they love the Word of God. But the deacons many times ran the church, and I'm not 
you know, against deacons. Deacon really means servant. And, but what would happen is a pastor's tenure would, tenure would run out. Maybe the church was going down. Maybe he was getting old. My father pastored a Southern Baptist church 35 years. And I know the last couple of years were, were tough because some wanted him. He was getting older, and they wanted him out of the way. And um, he came to work with me, by the way, after that for 20 more years, and we had a wonderful relationship and had a great father. But what happens is a lot of guys resign and walk away. They don't pick their successor. They haven't prepared a successor. They, they resign. Maybe somebody asked them to. Maybe they just decided to. And then they go looking for a pastor who doesn't have the DNA, doesn't know the last guy, and maybe wants to take it in a whole different direction and the guy that followed my father, he lasted one year. Um, there's something wrong with that. That's not a biblical model. Now, I'm not fussing about Baptists. I love Baptists. I was born in a Baptist hospital. <laughs> Went to two Baptist colleges, married a Baptist girl. Oh, Baptists. We had Baptist pets. I, I was Baptist <laughs> to the bone. I, 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 oh, I'm not being critical. It could be Methodist or something else or non-denoms. What I'm saying is wonderful when you have continuity. You have that. One of the men that I work with, without going into detail, he uh, had a prison ministry, has a prison ministry all over the country, great ministry. He was a murderer, and God saved him, and he... Well, anyway, and he has a great prison ministry, great man, filled with the Spirit, been healed dramatically. And um, he was asked to pastor church because he was a, a good speaker, a real great speaker, good writer too, written books. And um, I was part of helping him transition out of the ministry he had into pastoring a church. People have no idea how hard it is to pastor. And the uh, pastor told me to say that. <laughs> no, he didn't. I know. Uh, and so I told him, I said, I called him by his name. I said, look, leadership is like a flatbed truck. If you make a quick, sharp turn, you can lose your load. Well, he was an energetic guy, and he made a sharp turn, lost the load. There's, if you're not careful, you think, oh, I've got all these ideas. You see, the blessing you have is there's been continuity for three to four years, plus family continuity. And so the DNA is there, and it's not a matter of making radical change but letting it blossom into whatever the future holds. But continuity, say continuity with me. Continuity. Let's say it again. Continuity. That's a wonderful thing. And rather than rather than radical change, growing change. That's the normal way, is to grow. You don't jump from four feet to five feet overnight. Uh, I almost didn't jump at all. Anyway, um, so you have this blessing from God. And now today, the baton is being passed formally because they've been running together. Your leadership team, the pastor and his wife, family, there are four primary things that pastors need to do, have to do. Now, there are more, but there are four primaries. The word pastor really should be interpreted, translated shepherd, because that's what the Greek and Hebrew mean. It's not uh, an official term or an office term. It is an office, but it's it is a ministry of shepherding the flock. That's a metaphor. There are four things 
that I would say to those who are coming on board as the pastors of the church, first is to feed. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Feed. Say feed with me. Feed. How many of you know we have to be fed? Well, what does a pastor feed? He feeds the word of God. And so when I was ordained, I was given a Bible. And um, I was told to preach the word. By the way, I was given a Bible and the sermon was about First and Second Timothy. Feed, second, lead. Let's say lead together. Lead. The shepherd leads the flock. Sometimes they lead from behind and they, well, I don't want to say drive, but in a sense, the flock. Other times they go before, but they lead by example. Feed, lead, protect. Let's say it, protect. That's very important. Sometimes that's a hard thing because, well, people don't like to be told, be careful with that. But if you love your children, you'll warn them what to stay away from. If you love God's people, you will warn them. Now, sermon and teaching and preaching is more than warning. It's about leading, but it's also protecting. David, the great shepherd in the scripture, he killed a lion and a bear protecting the sheep. You know, he had to love the sheep more than he loved himself. A pastor has to love the church more than he loves himself because there are times he's going to have to do something unpopular. If he's going to be true to the word, sometimes he's going to teach or preach something that people would rather not hear. Thank God it's not always like that. Feed, lead, protect. Now, let me just tell you, and most pastors would say this, I never wanted to be a pastor. I was intelligent. <laughs> I had figured it out because my dad was a pastor, and I lived in a pastorium. That's the house next door to the church. It's like an aquarium, but you keep pastors in it. <laughs> I wanted privacy and money, neither of which we had. People would come over and use our bathroom. It was a country church. It grew. It built. It, it was a 500-and-something member. That was a big church back in the 40s and 50s in the country. And Dad was a good preacher. But I did not want the fourth thing, feed, lead, protect, model. Now that just about kept me out of the ministry. I'm more comfortable in the swamp than I am in front of people. And if you know me, you'd understand that. I... I <laughs> I know about the swamp. It's people I'm kind of worried about. <laughs> I, and, and listen, we, we, when, when I was really young, we didn't have telephones. You didn't need them. If anybody in town knew anything, everybody knew it. I mean, anyway, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And... Um, I almost had help getting out. You know, I, I, well, anyway, model, say model with me, model. The pastor has to practice what they preach. That's unfair. Uh, <laughs> I know you think it's easy, but I'll tell you there's some topics I'll never preach on again. <laughs> Patience is one. Anyway. I preached on patience, and uh, I said, man, I'm never going to do that again. Hey, how many of you know you get tested on what you preach? And, of course, I know that doesn't happen to you, but, boy, it happens to pastors. <laughs> it happens to all of us. In fact, people are 
right now, they're, they're not so interested in what you say. They're interested in what you're doing. People are watching. Well, somebody said, don't worry about children, that they don't listen. Worry that they watch. I, uh, we have a dog, a lab, golden lab. He's like a family member. He doesn't talk much. He tries. He's spoiled. But he watches. That dog knows what I'm going to do next. Even when I don't know. He, he, he'll sit there and study and study and study and if I move my watch or if I do something, he knows what I'm about to do. It's uncanny. Remember this. The world is watching us more than we know. And you don't know exactly who it is that's watching you sometimes. It's not that we want to live in fear. It's just we have to model what we're talking about. I'm not sure the world sees us that way. I think they see us a lot of times as just being critical or maybe hypocritical. But they are watching. And God has called us to be light. So, Pray for your pastors. Thousands of ministers are quitting every year. Probably, probably not more than 15 or 20% of the number that are quitting are going into the ministry. It's around 20,000 going out, around three to four going in. Why? Well, the culture's tough. This is not 1950 when everybody knew who Noah was or Moses. This is a time when a lot of people don't know who Jesus is. Secularism's become a real part of our culture. And and the pastor is swimming upstream. Now, I'm just, I'll say this again. I'm not just trying to butter you up, but um, you've done good at reaching young people and multi-generation. I admire that. That's, that's tremendous. But that's not the case everywhere. We've lost 80% of our kids. And I'll tell you the honest truth, I'm not the best at it either. I feel like I need a seminar from some young people on what I'm not doing right or what I should be. I'm serious. I reach out, but connecting, well, it's a challenge. I love your worship team. They connect. And so, by the way, I love the song selection. But that's not the case everywhere. And uh, I have a little home group. We meet in a motel rental room, room, and um, they're people I've known for 100 years. Well, almost. And we grew up together and growing old together. And I love them. We don't have any teenagers there except when my granddaughter's forced to come. And um, bless her heart. But there's such a gap. How do we bridge it? You have ideas? I'm open. It's our biggest challenge. If we're going to pass on the baton, who's there? Who to? Thank God you have an answer for that.
So what do you do for your pastors that are catching the baton? Let me make some quick suggestions. One is pray for them. I ask people all the time, pray for me. The Bible says pray one for another. Pray for your leaders. This is not 1950. This is not 1960. It's not 1970. We're going into a, a place we've never been before, and pastors are leading the way into the unknown. Pray for them. Support them. Financially, emotionally, tell them you love them. I was at the motel this morning. The uh, hostess in the breakfast room doing a great job. Lord said, tell her she's doing a great job. Oh, and give her a tip. How many of you know sometimes you need to put your money where your mouth is? I know you know that, but I gave her a tip. She didn't even have a tip jar out there. I said, you're doing a great job. Where's the tip jar? She said, oh, I forgot to put it out. I reminded her. And then I want, no, I put a tip in. <laughs> Support them. Just sometimes an encouraging word means a lot because you can give life with your tongue. You can also take life. Pray. Support. My mind. Participate. Be here. That's one of the most encouraging things you can do. Show up. You say, well, you don't understand. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Well, that's true. Sometimes they don't feel like preaching either. Especially if there's nobody there. Participate. Let's say it together. Participate. We're in this together. We're collaborating to bring the kingdom of God out into the world. We're, 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 we're working together, together. Participate. Be present. Well, and take it out there. Be light in the world. It's easy to be light in the church. So pray for, support. Participate and radiate what you're being taught, what you've received from the Lord. God is good all the time. I, I appreciate the presence of God here. Let me encourage you to study the word Get to know it. Pastor was talking about our common heritage. Pastor Sumrall, a father to both of us. Ken knew the Bible. You couldn't, you couldn't cite a, a scripture in the New Testament that he couldn't tell you where it was. Our personalities were different, but I admired his love for the Word of God. And he had a big impact in my life. Well, study the word. When I was ordained, they gave me a Bible and said, preach the word. My commitment is to the word of God. And, the, and Jesus, after he, I have to be careful here, but after he rose from the dead, he gave the great commission Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I've taught you, everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you. But then he said, first, go wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do the mission without the Holy Spirit. They went to the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they went everywhere preaching the gospel. 
We get it backwards sometimes. We try to go out and be a witness to the world, and then we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us. Get along with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you. If we're going to do what they did at Pentecost, we need another Pentecost. I ministered seven years without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I came to the end of myself. Best thing that ever happened. Our church grew. We had good programs. I was a hard worker. But it was too much in my own strength. What we're facing, we can't do in our own strength. We need the power of God. I encourage you, study the word. Pray. Seek God. Be filled. My, my. I'll say one more thing. I, I tend to preach the everlasting gospel. I'm sorry. I'll try to stop here. There's a little poem I love. I learned it in the, in the, back in the 1990s, 19, not 18. Anyway, it, this speaker, I heard it. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. Methods should change. Your methods are going to change from the methods I learned. That's fine. If you're going to do the job, you're going to have to change your methods. Methods are changing. The digital world is changing methods. But principles will never change. Gravity is a principle. Gravity is true for everybody, everywhere, all the time. Farming methods have changed, but sowing and reaping has not. Build on principles. Be adaptable with methods. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. God gave us a guide, not just a plan. Follow him. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Charles. And uh, what I want to do now is I want to invite some folks to come to the stage. And uh, of course, everybody's not here, but we'll have whoever is here. By that, I mean there's a group that I'm going to ask to come who were the founders of this church. You got to remember when we started, we had six people, you know, two of which my mom and dad. And so I'm going to ask those founders who are here, would you come up to the stage? All right, you're here. All right, here we go. As they're, as they're coming, could I say to you guys, thank you for taking a step that day. Thank you for taking a risk. Thank you for believing and taking the journey with us. And so we're coming full circle. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Let's see, uh, Meg and Luke and David and Mace, why don't you guys go ahead and come on up, if you would. And, uh, and Buddy and Ann, you guys want to come up with them? Y'all want to come up? That's fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the trustee board, Bob Wyatt, would you come? Bob, <clears throat> we came. Bob was on the... Bob was working in Columbia, as an, and he was an elder in Forest Drive Church where we were. And when we moved here, Bob took an early retirement, came here uh, with us, and served as um, from day one as our trustee, and was on staff here, Bob, for how long? 22 years. 22 years. And so, I mean, for somebody to pick their family up from Columbia 
and move here. They got to believe in you. You know that? So, Bob, thank you again for you and Pat for y'all's love for us and support. So, thank you very much. All right. Is, uh, is Miss Karen here? Next service. Next service. All right. My mom be here too. All right. Is, how about uh, one other guest I want to invite, and that is Reba Hall. Reba, are you here? Reba and Stan have been our friends for years and years. Stan went to be with the Lord uh, January two, two years ago. And so, but Reba, <laughs> Stan's the one who called me. We were headed to Georgetown to start a church. And Stan called me on the phone and said, Mike, would you ever consider starting a church in Charleston? And that's when the Lord began to work. And that's kind of, and so and Stan, Reba, thank you for y'all's love as well. All right, <clears throat> would you guys step out here? And uh, I'm Brother Charles, Charles, if you would come back. I have you to help pray with us. And uh, <clears throat> come on over, Brother Charles, if you would. <clears throat> Dean, won't you come on? Well, all you guys, come on, gather around. Come on. Dean, won't you come up here with me? I'm going to say it again in a moment, but this gal here. <laughs> I just need to tell you, Brother Charles, I don't know what the Greek word is for the bomb <laughs> or the Hebrew, but this gal's the bomb. <laughs> All right. You guys hold this if you would. All right, Brother Charles, would you start us off by giving us, giving them a charge? And I'll give the second part of that charge, but would you just give them a charge? The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge us, that you keep the word in all seasons. Don't be afraid correct, instruct. This is the same charge that servants of God have received for thousands of years. Being faithful to the people is important, but you'll answer to God. Be faithful to Him. Keep Him uttermost in your prayers, your commitment, your instructions, and God will bless you. He will see you through every valley, up every mountain. If you're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to you. Great is his faithfulness. Covenant God. Be a covenant person. God bless you. My heart is with you. Bring us the Bible. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting that Brother Charles talked about he was presented a Bible. I have a picture that when I, I graduated from school and I very, very delicately placed the Bible down, put my, my feet, the front part of my feet on it to rest. And with the prayer of God launched me and launched Dean and I into a life of living and standing and teaching and living out of this word. So it's with that regard that we present you guys the Bible and charge you to preach the word in season and out of season. Be faithful to instruct, to lead to God, to shepherd, care for the flock, be courageous, be bold, and live and teach that word which you hold in your hand. All right? Um, where is Bob? Bob, would you come? From the trustee board, would you just give him a charge for 
And you represent the board here, the whole trustee board. I've been with you guys for many, many years, not just the 22 here on staff, but uh, I got to know you, and I appreciate you, and I want you to know that I believe that God has really set you up. I really mean that. You're here today because God Now, guys, let's lay hands on them. Brother Charles, would you come? Let's lay hands on them. <clears throat> Fathers, we lay hands. We ask you to impart what's needed. Paul told Timothy, at the laying on the hands of the presbytery, gifts were imparted. And whatever needs to be imparted, we lay hands on them. We release right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We lay hands on them and we bless what you have blessed. We lay hands on them and we acknowledge what you have acknowledged. We lay hands on them and we say you're chosen because you chose them, Lord. We simply acknowledge this. This day, as we set them in this particular role as lead pastors, would you bless them with an anointing that would cause that to come to fruition? The heart, your heart, when you saw cathedral, of what you wanted to establish as a church and as a school, as a preschool, and now he's gone down the road 35 years. But now it's a relaunch. And now it's the same dreams and same hopes that's in your heart that I pray you'd convey to them. And what you had dreamed now, not, not what they have dreamed, not what man has dreamed, but what you have dreamed of this place becoming I ask you now to cause it to flow down into their heart that they see your dreams. They see your vision. They see how you would reach society. They see how we could be the church in the world, but not of it. Bless you. Would you bless and protect their families? First, their marriages. Would you cause their marriage to be the biggest or one of the biggest things that people see to acknowledge God? And secondly, would you bless their family? and their children to keep your hand of protection on them. And as they lead your church, 
Give them that prophetic edge. tell you what I saw. I saw flashes of light like lightning. And the Lord said, revelation will come like that. And when the light comes, remember what you saw. Remember the landscape. Remember what it showed up. And then when the light fades, don't forget what you saw. It won't be light all the time, but the light will come. It comes from above. It is choosing. Don't forget what it shows you. Steady. Steady. Perseverance, not perfection, is the key. It's not to the best, the smartest, the most powerful. It's to the one who doesn't quit, who presses on. To them is the reward. As Spurgeon said, by perseverance, the turtle got to the ark persevere and you'll get where God wants you. Amen. Megan, when you were about three years old, you used to stand on the little mantle, I mean the thing on the fireplace, and you'd preach. And Macy used to say, amen, periodically. What I want you to know that the Lord has said that the joy, he's going to give you an abundance of joy because the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength in this mission that he has called you into. The joy that you think you've had joy, but God is getting ready to give you a double portion of that joy. So you'll have the strength to lead and love his people because there are going to be times when you're going to need that joy to love some of them. Because all of them aren't just sweet and precious all the time. But what he's also going to do is he is going to give you all the ability to have tough skin, but always keep a tender heart. So that you will not be downtrodden with the ministry, but you're going to walk with such a strength from the Lord that it's going to be a joy unspeakable for both of you and for you too. I feel like I'm just talking to them, but I'm really not. I'm talking to all four of you, the same word from the Lord. And I want to say I'm so proud of you. Um, that's not part of the, the God saying. <laughs> that's part of a mother saying. I'm so proud of the walk. I'm so proud of the mates that you chose because in your choosing the, your mates, it was always in your heart, is this the one that God has for me? Is this the one that God has for me? It was always in the bottom of your heart. And you girls are going to teach other girls and ladies that that's a key thing to be looking for. That's going to be part of your ministry. It's like when they were said, your marriage and all, it's going to be... Um, one of the big things that people look to you and how do I choose a mate like that? When do I start praying for that mate? I think that's all I have to okay. say, Mike. Good. Thank you. Alright. <clears throat> Megan Luke, Macy Dave, we officially lay hands on you and set you in as lead pastors of Cathedral of Praise in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen and amen.
Wow. Uh, I'll be quick. I had no idea this day would be this emotional, but man, uh, I just want to start off by saying thank you to you guys. We have an incredible church, and all four of us, to say that we're over the moon is an understatement. We're scared, but we are so excited to do what God has for us. We truly believe that God has some amazing things in store, uh, and we're going to do our very best to always chase after him. We'll give you that commitment, and we're so excited to see what God's going to do in y'all's life. But before we go, I just want to say to Pastor Mike and Ms. Dean, uh, the message that uh, Pastor Charles gave today, you guys have exemplified in ways that not everybody will ever see. You have taught us. You have taught us more than you'll ever imagine. You've taught us how to date. You've taught us how to have a family. You've taught us how to love people. You've taught us how to do church. You've taught us an insurmountable amount of things. You have led us crazy well. Even when we weren't doing the best, you still, you, you, you had so much grace with this whole thing. You certainly have protected us. The, the amount of protection that you have given to us, our family, our children, our grandchildren, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. But the thing that you guys have carried out the most is how you've modeled life. You've modeled a life that we didn't know was possible. And this joy piece that you talk about, Ms. Dean, you've modeled for us. And our life is so much better because of how y'all have modeled life, because of the foundation that you guys have laid. So thank you guys, on behalf of us four and behalf of the whole church, thank you for all the hard work, sacrifice these last 35 years, uh, taking care of us jack leg boys for so many years and putting into us and popping out just amazing families. And, and I, I just thank you for what God has done in you and what he's done in us. So can we give these guys a hand? We have a little something uh, that we'd like to display to you guys, and I'm gonna turn it over to Meg. I, I want to just echo what Dave said. I think the biggest testimony of of all of this and why I feel the most prepared is what you modeled at home. It was the same thing you taught on Sunday consistently. And so thank you for, for this and thank you for the opportunity. And thank you guys, no matter where I've been or, or where I've spoken, there's no place like home. There's no place like you all. And so we appreciate your support. And we just want to honor you guys and, and let you know that us – and them, um, just for you to get a little bit of rest and relaxation for the for the ten grandchildren that now could just, <laughs> uh, we're going to send them on a little trip, and and let them go have some time to rest and relax, just as a gift from from the from Cathedral to you guys. So we love you, and and thank you. Would you just simply say, hello? Grandma. <laughs> Hello, Granddad. Love you guys. Let's go. You know, Charles said some really nice things about Dean and I, you know? And uh, I, want, I want to switch that a tad bit before you go. Because on the other side of this, what you have done as a congregation is created an incredibly wonderful experience for us. You have been wonderful people to, to pastor. You have been the most loving congregation, the most supportive congregation. Uh, a lot of war stories that my friends have, I don't have. You know, uh, you've been so, so incredibly loving and kind to us. Could not have asked for better. You're a wonderful congregation. We love you. We always love you. Lord, bless you. Lord, keep you. Lord, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Cathedral, we love you to the bottom of our hearts. Amen and amen. Bless you. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.